What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation between me and my dad, where we talk about the post-jazz game and all things sports. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad on a night where the Utah Jazz get on the road November 9th, go to Atlanta, play a Hawks team, which is coming off a win over the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Jazz outscore them in the fourth quarter for a win and go 10-3 and on the season. That will be the most wins in the NBA at the present time. And the Jazz are just playing good basketball. Up 15 tonight, down 10, and end up winning the game. Spencer, what are your thoughts? The Hawks also had only three losses going into this game, and they've been playing really well. So it was good to see a matchup where we are playing a team that is also good, that isn't just uh, at the beginning of the season, the kind of things have been moving, so it shows that they are a good team comparable to our team. So it was going to be interesting to see how they played against us. And the big thing that I guess we could talk about is how Markinen and Clarkson both combined for 55 points, which I thought Clarkson might have had more of a quieter night than Markinen. Markinen definitely came off hot and scored about 15 points in the first quarter. But we definitely got the win through our bench players with uh, THT and with Beasley. Yeah, good point about Markinen and Clarkson. 32 points by Lowry Markinen, 8 rebounds. Seemed quiet at times and then came up huge down the stretch with a big three, rebound and a putback and a foul. All of those things, just tremendous. I don't. I thought I heard the broadcast say that was Larry Markkinen's career high, but I, but maybe not. I'm not sure. 32 points. I don't know if it was career high, but it was definitely a much-needed um, contribute down the end. And I guess we can maybe focus a little bit more on what happened in the fourth quarter. That's where we outscored them and, and kind of pulled away. It was in the fourth quarter. Like we said, we were down by um, 10 going in or at one point, but we won the fourth quarter 40 points to 29 points to put them away. And it was interesting to see Hardy react to us losing the lead, going down by 10, and then stringing together a fourth quarter that put away the Hawks and, and his substitutions and who he chose to go with. Sexton played a couple of minutes, but only scored three points with 13 minutes, so he did not choose Sexton, which he has done in the past to close the game. And maybe that's because he recognized the struggles. But he also um, didn't choose Olenek and only had Olenek with 20 minutes, even though he had 14 points. Yeah, good point. I think you and I looked at each other with about six or seven minutes to go in the game. Things had kind of slipped away, but we were hanging in there. And then he substituted and took out Rudy Gay, took out Walker Kessler, and brought in Vanderbilt, where I thought he might bring in Olenek, and um, brought back Markinen and did not bring back Sexton. Not sure where you would have put him, but it was interesting the way that he finished the game with Sexton on the bench. And interesting that, interesting that Colin Sexton only had those 13 minutes that you talk about. But uh, I cannot mention how big a Mike Conley is. He ends up tonight with, um, with only seven points, and yet he had 13 assists. The, the interesting thing about him is he can control the game and he brings a calmness to the team. We've heard that said all season long by the commentators. And he did it again tonight, the minute he was infused back into the game. And the same for Laurie Markinen. They ended up, you know, closing it out and winning that game. Yeah, good good point right there. And even 
with uh, the, the good minutes that Kessler put in before to kind of stop the Hawks, and he had a couple blocks and a couple of alley-oops, which helped, helped, the, um, helped the momentum shift a little bit. And I do think a big hustle play by THT was when he had a monster block, saved the ball from going out of bounds, drove down the whole court, and then passed it to Clarkson, who finally made a three, even though he wasn't shooting well. Yeah, I will also say that Walker Kessler had 12 points tonight, 6 of 6 from the field. And I wish we could go back and really dissect it. The team went down 10, and the game seemed to be slipping. Thought, oh my gosh, what is going to happen here? Are we really going to lose this game? And then the bench came up big. If you look at the plus-minus, which most people who follow basketball understand that's who's in the lineup at that time kind of benefits from runs. But our plus minus is all with our second team for the most part. Rudy Gay plus 18, as much as we talk about Rudy Gay. Taylor Horton Tucker plus 17 and Walker Kessler plus 14. You throw Conley uh, Clarkson into that mix um, and then you've got all the plus minuses. But man, I thought our bench brought us back into the game and it was a collective effort with Taylor Horton Tucker just hustling like crazy to uh, make that happen. So do you notice a big difference in coaching? Obviously there is a big co- coaching difference, but can you highlight what you think the coaching difference is? Because it looks like Alexander Walker didn't play tonight, even though he's played the last game. I know Vanderbilt was back, even though he had missed two games, so maybe that could be a reason. But it doesn't seem like Hardy has a set rotation that he's discussed with his assistant coaches to trigger at certain minutes. It seems more like he goes based off of gut feeling even. What would you say? Yeah, most coaches and teams in the league have set substitutions because then the players know how long they're going to rest and when they're going to get back in, and it doesn't mess with your mind. I think Hardy has that. I don't think he deviates from it night in and night out. He has a shell of it, but tonight he clearly went a little bit longer with Taylor Horton Tucker for a few more minutes than he usually does. Um, Did the same with uh, Walker Kessler and didn't play Olenek nor Sexton as long. So yes, I will agree with kind of where you're headed on that, that Hardy kind of goes with the flow. I remember last year being fans and criticizing Quinn Snyder for being too rigid in his substitutions. Well, if you're a Jazz fan this year, you're certainly not getting that. You're getting a coach who's going with the feel of the game. Yeah, it's interesting. And so it looks like Trey Young ended with 22 points and DeJounte Murray ended with 26. Does that say anything about our defense? Well, Trey Young was 10 of 28, a volume shooter. They really struggled in the first half, the Hawks did, in shooting. But I'm really impressed with with this team. Clint Capella came out and had 19 rebounds. He literally handed us our hat. Um during the third quarter. He just destroyed us on the boards. When you look at their offensive rebounding tonight, they walked away with 17 offensive boards. Um, We ended up with 13, but it felt like they had 70 at one point in time. They were getting every rebound, and we weren't getting stops. Um, But the combination of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray is really, really good, and I think the Hawks went out and made a trade in the offseason with the Spurs that pays dividends for them. Looks like they were going to be good for sure. We only have 13 turnovers versus their 11. 13 is a low end for us, so that could be a big factor into um, 
staying out of danger. But the, the Hawks definitely dominated the transition play, um, which is interesting because we usually are a fast team as well. And then they clearly beat us on the board. Is that something to be concerned of? Because I do feel like there have been games in the past, even with Anthony Davis last game with the Lakers, where our board game has been been weak. Yeah, no doubt the Jazz have had a good season in rebounding, and it's it's apparent when they don't. Uh, we really struggle during certain stretches of the game where we can't rebound. You talked about transition. Tonight was a little funky. They had at least two three-point plays where we just seemed to have fell asleep, and they got behind the defense, but they did that probably five or six times during the game. I have to think that Will Hardy's going to address that one. If those guys don't get behind us and don't have those two three-point plays and a few other buckets, again, we have a big win here tonight versus, you know, kind of a slim margin near the end. But a great game by the Jazz makes them, as I stated earlier, 10-3. and three. What's so fun to talk about this team is when you look at the standings, Bucks are nine and one, Cleveland's eight and two, we're ten and three. Even if Portland and Denver over the next two or three days uh, win win games while we have a little bit of a break as we head to DC to play the Wizards, um, we're still going to be sitting atop the, the Western Conference. Um, who would have thought that we would be ten and three? I think it's very easily said that we most likely would have been three and ten. But we're third in overall and uh, just right on the heels of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right. And even the announcers, of the Hawks announcers, said exactly what you just said, where they posed the question, who would have thought the Jazz would have been here? And no one. That's the answer. But I do think the players definitely wake up. Maybe Sexton or Laurie had said it, where they think it's almost fueling to hear and read reports on how they are surprising and underdogs. Yeah, it just it's it's so fun um, to see what is happening, and it's interesting, like you just said about the comments that some of the players are making. Uh, I was reading earlier today that Taylor Horton Tucker said, "Yeah, about three days into training camp, we knew we were going to be good." I uh, I think they're going to be good to go on the road and beat a Hawks team that just beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And we go through stretches where you would think it's, it's not good for us. And we weather the storm, and we end up winning most of these games. Well, I think it goes back to what we've said earlier. The Jazz are the team that won't go away, and a lot of teams can't handle our relentless uh, play. But before we jump around the league, I do want to mention, if you look at who averages the most points per game in the league, players-wise, what player averages the most assists per per game, what player averages the most rebounds per game, and what player averages the most steals per game, and then even what player averages the most blocks per game. The Jazz don't have any player in the top five that is averaging in, in said category, which I think is interesting because it shows what type of team we are, not the individual. individual. Like we said, there wasn't a clear all-star coming into the team. Um, we might have one in Laurie Markkinen now, even Sexton has potential, but we don't have a player that's going to be in the top five in a specific category. This is truly a team effort. Truly a team effort. A lot of games um, tonight. We'll start with some finals. Uh, the Raptors beat the Rockets. Um, Rockets have two wins. We're one of those wins. The Raptors are seven and five. The Nets looked really good tonight. They beat up on the Knicks uh, and go to five and seven. But when you look at that game, 
for the Nets. Kevin Durant had 29 points and uh, and just really distributed the ball. Seth Curry had 23 points. I wouldn't count the Nets out. If they can get past the drama, possibly get past the Kyrie Irving challenge, and get to playing basketball, and maybe Jacques Vaughn, who was named their coach for the rest of the season this year, can get them to play, I think the Nets are going to be really good. So the Nets win tonight. Um, we also have the Boston Celtics who are 8-3. and three. They're one of the top teams yep. in the league right now. The Nuggets win. They're 8-3. and three. Look out. Here they come. They're right on the heels of the Jazz in the West. Uh, they beat the Pacers. The Trailblazers win tonight. They go 8-3 and three as they go into Charlotte and win that game. A little bit of a surprising game tonight. Uh, the Magic beat the Mavericks in Orlando. And... Uh, just looking at that box score and looking at the Mavericks, um, Luka Doncic had 24 points, um, but didn't have a 35-point breakout night tonight. And then we'll just round out these games with, um, uh, with the, it looks like the, the, the Bucks win again over the Thunder. It looks like the Suns are going to beat the Timberwolves. Man, there's some challenges in Minnesota. Mm. Bulls over Pelicans, and then the Jazz beat the Hawks. So Jazz, even though they have played more games than any other team in the league, they are sitting really, really kind of in the middle of a lot of teams that are seven and three, eight and three. Um, looks like the Spurs have a chance of beating the Memphis Grizzlies, which is surprising, even though the Spurs have been in the top for a little bit. Um, do you see kind of where the the season and where the top eight in each conference? I think we might have talked about this off air, but who would you who would you take out of the top eight, and who would you replace in the top eight when it comes to the West? Yeah, we we we've talked about this, and you don't want to jinx if you're a Jazz fan. You, and it you is early in the season. You kind of don't want to jinx anything. But, but objectively, still, let's stop still remains early. So if you look at the West, and you have Utah, Phoenix, Portland, Denver, Memphis, Dallas, Clippers, New Orleans, I I think the Jazz. And the Trailblazers remain the two teams that are surprised in those top eight. Really? Um, so that would mean taking Utah and Portland out. Replacing with the And then replacing them with, Men, with uh, Golden, Golden State. And Minnesota. And Minnesota. I think that's similar to what we said last time. What this does, though, even by taking them out, th- those two teams that I just took out, Utah and Portland, are in the play-in. So I think the teams that don't make the play-in, OKC, Sacramento, LA, just struggling, and Houston. So unless the Lakers somehow rally, they're out. And so I would take out Phoenix, I mean, take out Utah, Portland, and put in Minnesota and Golden State, but nothing's a given right now. Yeah, very interesting. I do think that it is a surprise to see Portland and the Jazz up there. And I would replace them with Golden State and even Men- and even Minnesota, even though I, I think there's issues with both. I think, and I might have said this in a text to you, but if we can remain A, healthy, and B, without drama, that actually goes a lot farther in the NBA than you might think. Yeah, I agree. If, if, if. Um, we've had Vanderbilt miss two games and still we came out winners in those games. If one of our big guys go down, it's going to be a huge test. We've lost a few guys to health and safety protocol, and we still, again, I'll use this term, weathered the storm. Incredible play by the Jazz, and you're right. 
being healthy. And that's why the Utah Jazz for a number of years, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, were so good is that Stockton and Malone were in the lineup night in and night out. When you go to the Eastern Conference and how do you show that? A little bit more interesting there. Bucks, Cleveland, Boston, Atlanta, Toronto, that's one through five. Chicago, Indiana, New York. I think Indiana and New York are definitely out of this. Mm-hmm. And you've got to go get the Sixers and the Nets, but that leaves Miami on the outside. So go find three teams from the top 10. Milwaukee, Cleveland, Boston, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago, Indiana, New York. I, I don't know which third team you take out of there. Probably between Toronto and Chicago. Because I do think the Nets are going to get in. I don't know what is truly going down with the 76ers and Miami. But we do play the 76ers. uh, Jazz play them on Wednesday. And a week from today. Yeah. I'm sorry. On Sunday. On Sunday. We go into Washington, D.C. and the Wizards on Saturday and then play a back-to-back. And then play... Uh, Philadelphia on Sunday. Let's just look and see. Um, so they played two nights. They didn't play tonight. I'm just trying to see what is going on with um, the 76ers. I I think there 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 are some injuries. I think Harden is out, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this all goes out. Any any of your thoughts? in the East as to who you would remove from the line, from the top. Um, I do think, I mean, I wouldn't take them out, but Cleveland's definitely surprising everybody with them at second and being on like a, they had like a, an almost eight game run where they just dominated. Yep. So I, I thought they would make the playoffs, but not number two. So that's scary. And I don't think, the, the Pacers are okay, but I, I can see them getting knocked around by Brooklyn and Miami and Philadelphia. Philadelphia and Miami seem like teams that can come alive in the last 15 games of the season to try to string together a playoff berth if they're not already in striking distance. And then Brooklyn just has that pride where they feel like they should be number one always, so they're going to come off and, and chase after the top four even. So... Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell, but well, we're we're now have, we have a sample size now of 13 games, which is a good slice of the season. I think you're starting to see things crystallize. Great question about who do you who do you leave in, who do you take out? Uh, fascinating to me that our Jazz are a team that you 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 might take out of the top eight, but you're not seeing them um, go all the way to the bottom. I do see them as a playing team, and they're. They're the real deal. You have enough sample size now to say they are for real. Uh, without jinxing us. Um, I think it's interesting how um, how we react on back-to-back away games. We are now, I guess, I guess we're 6-4 and four on the road. Does that sound right? We've only lost three games. Hold on. So we're 5-4 and four on the road. No, we've only lost three games. Or 5-3 and three on the road. I don't think we've played five on the road. Um, I don't think we played eight on the road. Let's just go see. I, I I don't know. I thought we were like maybe we're maybe we're four and three on the road. Anyway, we're five and zero at home. I know that. So then we're five and three. Yeah. So now All we're right. five. So now we're five and three on the road. So which is a pretty good. It's very, very good. good. I mean, the whole, so far the whole season's been good. 
Well, what I'm trying to say is we lost our, our game due to back-to-backs on the road. And I think now that we have a back-to-back, we have a little bit of a break, a couple of days before we go to D.C. Mm-hmm. And then we play Philadelphia. So it, would you say is that ends our road trip, right? So Yeah, I think it's just a quick two-game road trip, yes. Or including this one was a three-game road trip. So I mean, three, yeah. So if we do you see us getting both games this weekend or just the one or not even one? Because Wizards are... They're what they're. They're good. Eight. They're they're right on the fringe of the top eight there, and we know these are you know really good teams. That that said, we just went into Atlanta and beat a really good Hawks team. The, it, while we've found out and have learned quite a bit about the Utah Jazz, I think there's still more for us to learn. If we can go in and get one game between these next two, that that's that's huge. Um, if we went in and swept these two games, then the league is definitely on notice about the Utah Jazz. I do think teams are going to start to say, well, we're going to be the team that beats the Jazz, or we're not going to be the team that loses to the Jazz. And But it is a different mindset. It, I think we have a likable team, and you can see it after games. Well, clearly the team loves playing with each other, and they respect each other. But I think other players in the league also enjoy being around the players that the Jazz have. Because I, I don't want to say anything... That would get me in trouble, but it was just hard to see a connection league-wise with the players we had last year. Well, that's what Danny Ainge said. He just said they they didn't believe was the comment he made in a press conference. And I don't know if the word they weren't connected, but they certainly weren't having fun. This team has got each other's back. Tonight's very inter- very interesting on this part as well. I think Colin Sexton's from Marietta, Georgia, which is within a 30-minute drive, if not less, outside of Atlanta, and he doesn't get all the minutes. Do you go sit in the locker room and say, wow, I didn't get a chance to play in front of my friends and family. I didn't get a chance to close the game. I don't think that is a part of this team's chemistry, but this is going to be interesting as we move through the season as to how this joy continues or will there be a, a, a moment in time or stretches of time where it's not as enjoyable for the team. Definitely, and I think Sexton does understand his um, respect for Conley and understands that they're in it to win. And he only scored three points in his 13 minutes, and maybe he realized that he wasn't really going to have too much of an impact. Kessler did have some connection to Atlanta as well, and he had a couple of his family members in the stands too, and he yeah, played well. Played played really well. Well, listen, I don't know if there's that much more to talk about tonight. Again, we're now getting into... You know, big time part of the season as we head towards the holidays. These next 30 days, a lot will happen. Another impressive win by the Jazz. More so than going in and beating the Hawks, it's how we withstood the storm, weathered the storm, went up, got down, came back, and just kind of put the game on ice. Even though we win by six, we were up by 10 with just a couple minutes to go and and uh, and looked really, really good. Any final comments, Spencer, about the Jazz and how they've been playing or what you expect to see this weekend? No, I think we covered pretty much everything I needed to say. I, I just think it's a fun team, and they seem to be excited each time they step on the court because they can just play basketball, and, and they have a shot of winning when people don't expect them to. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Spence. Okay, great. Thanks, Dad, and I... I'm hoping we have a good end to the weekend. That's exactly right. Go Jazz!